Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to our service of worship this morning. Uh, it's good to be with all of you today. The sun is trying to break through the clouds, so hopefully by the end of our service we'll see some sunshine. Uh, but it's such a blessing to worship with you all today. Uh, in the event that I sniffle or cough, it's because of the trees and pollen outside. I don't know if any of you are battling seasonal allergies like I am, but man, it's been rough. Uh, so we'll work our way through that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's begin with our service of worship today with our first hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. <coughs> Better said is the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, 
The word apostle means to send out, or to go out, to bring a message. And so we hear that message. Now today we are going to hear from Peter. And Peter, as we recall, denied Christ three times before the cop crew. But he's now had time to think. And this is a book written probably about 80 years after the birth of Christ, roughly. And so it talks about the new and beginning church. So this man of weakness uh, found his courage and he began to be an apostle. So Acts 2, 14a and 22 to 32. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I have to say. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourself know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in his power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that his both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on his throne. So ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm comes from Psalm 116, verses 1 through 4 and 12 to 19, and we're reading responsibly. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. And then continuing on. Then I call on the name of the Lord, O Lord, I pray, save my life. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious is the sight of the Lord, it is the death of his faithful ones. 
O Lord, I am your servant, I am your servant, the child of your serving maid. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you with thanksgiving and sacrifice, and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the course of the house of the Lord, in your midst of Jerusalem, praise the Lord. And continuing on with our next hymn, Amazing Grace. truth 
so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of a perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring Word of God, the Word of our Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had seen, indeed seen, a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while, we were talk while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of our Lord. Life is a journey. We travel along the path of this journey, and over time we experience all the variety of events that define human life. We experience pain and suffering. We experience loss and grief. 
We experience joy and celebration and laughter and much, much more. Our Gospel lectionary text today is one of my absolute favorite stories in the Bible, for a host of reasons, but one reason I cherish this story is that it tells us about a journey. The road to Emmaus story that we just read in Luke 24 captures a wide range of the spectrum of human experiences, and it shows us a glimpse of what God is doing in us and through us and around us on the journey of life. The story begins with two disciples walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Luke, via some English translation, helps us know that that journey is about seven miles in length. They're walking and talking. They witnessed all the events of Good Friday and Holy Saturday, and now on Resurrection Sunday, they're making their way to the nearby town of Emmaus. In a surprise twist, Jesus shows up and walks with them on the road. But mysteriously, they are kept from recognizing him. And then it happens. Jesus asks his first question. What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? This is no small question, my friends. It is such a difficult question for these two disciples that Luke tells us it literally stops them in their tracks. Luke wrote, They stood still, looking sad. Have you ever had someone ask you a question so profound and so deep and so penetrating that it literally stopped you in your tracks? I know I have. And in this story, when Jesus asks them what they're discussing, it hits them like a ton of bricks. Clearly the question from Jesus makes them pause and reveal their grief and sadness. So much so that they stop walking and they look sad. Grief is part of the journey of life. There's just no sugarcoating it for us. Our faith is not about escaping pain and suffering and grief. It recognizes that they're part of the journey and that we face these realities. We engage them head on. Clearly Jesus knows what they're discussing, and he doesn't tell them to stop crying, or to get over it, or he doesn't try to make them laugh, or try to fix their sadness. He simply allows them space to share what it is that they're feeling. And they do. One of the two, named Cleopas, answers Jesus by saying, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place there in these days? A little sarcastic, maybe. Jesus replies, what things? Tongue in cheek, of course. The two go on to share that Jesus performed miracles and signs and wonders, and that he was executed by the religious and political leaders. They go on to share their hopes, which at this moment seem dashed and shattered to pieces. They share about the women going to the tomb, and others following after the women, reportedly seeing Jesus, but not really knowing what to think about all that. This is one of those stories where I hear the pain and desperation of Cleopas and his companion, and I also hear their hopes and the surprise and fear and desire. It's all mixed together in their sharing. This is a great example of what it's like for us sometimes. We share our story, we find ourselves expressing a host of emotions and experiences all at once. 
Life is a mixed bag. Some things are both great and terrible, sad and joyful, mixture all together. What I greatly appreciate about this story is Jesus' patience and compassion for these two grieving disciples. He doesn't interrupt them or stop them from sharing or try to fix their grief. He simply listens. He gives them space to share what's going on in their hearts. He goes on to teach them and explain from the Old Testament scriptures all the things that he taught them before his death about how the Messiah needed to die. But he first gave them space to speak and to express. That's the heart of pastoral care. You can be a pastoral care presence in the lives of others. Did you know that? Maybe you didn't know that. Surprise. At its heart, pastoral care is simply listening. Giving people a place to share and truly be heard. It's one of the great temptations of life to try and fix or make someone feel better than they do. But that's not really our job. We can let go of that temptation. By being a person who is safe for others, you offer them one of the greatest gifts that any human being can offer another. Connection and belonging. Chaplains aren't the only ones who can give this kind of care. And it's one of the greatest needs that we all have, is to be known and to be heard. You don't have to have all the answers. When someone asks you a question, you can say, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Wow, that's big. You know, just being present, just listening. One of the best things we can do as a good listener is to ask questions like Jesus did which offer people the opportunity to keep telling their story or go further with their story. If someone begins to share their story with you, listen without preparing a response. And then you can say things like, tell me more. How does that make you feel? How are you doing in light of what you've shared? Those are responses and questions that allow the other person to continue to talk, continue to share. And people may ask you for advice, but more often than not, what they really need is just to be heard. Does that make sense? Good, I thought this was a good point to pause and make sure I didn't put you to sleep with your tutorial on pastoral care. As the two disciples arrive at their intended destination, it appears that Jesus is continuing on, but they are intrigued by him. Even though they can't recognize him, they want to spend more time with him. That's generally the case with Jesus. People want more time with him. They invite him to stay because, as they say, and these are their words from the text, stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is nearly over. Jesus takes them up on their invitation, and that is always the case with Jesus, my friends. If you intentionally set aside time to be with him, he's always there, always present. They go inside, and as they're sitting down at a table to eat, after what was a long journey of walking, Jesus takes bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to them. And in this moment, their eyes are opened. They recognize him. And in what is sort of like a Houdini-esque 
moment for Jesus, he disappears. Right at the moment they recognize him, he's gone in a blink of an eye. In response to this wild and crazy dinner table disappearance event, these two disciples say, and this is my favorite line from the story, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? They recognize in this moment that they had a pre-recognition. Something in them was excited when they were hearing Jesus speak. Their hearts were burning as they heard him talk on the road. They didn't need to see Jesus' face to know that it was him or that part of their soul recognized the truth of who they were walking with. And that's when joy and excitement take this story to another level. Remember how they had just arrived and Jesus made it seem he was going on ahead, right? The two disciples pointed out that the day was nearly at an end and daylight was waning. They invited him inside to eat and stay with them, but when he disappeared, they couldn't contain their excitement. Luke tells us that same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They shared how they had encountered Jesus on the road. Joy can make us do crazy things, like run seven miles in the dark on a road in the wilderness, risking thieves and wild animals in first century Middle Eastern Israel. The level of excitement and joy is evident in their actions. There wasn't going to be any sleep this night anyway, so why not run a nighttime 12K from Emmaus to Jerusalem? That's the power of joy, my friends. It's one of the most powerful experiences we come across on the journey of life. When joy fills the human heart, darkness is not something to be feared. When joy fills the heart, sadness and grief start to lose their grip. When joy fills the heart, we see hope where there once was darkness. Joy is something that we can experience even in the most tragic and scary and turbulent parts of our lives. It won't necessarily erase grief nor fix it, but it will bring some healing and it will bring some hope. And that's really encouraging, is it not? In 2010, my dad's side of the family was rocked by a tragedy that truly broke us with pain and grief. My uncle, my dad's older brother, had been suffering through cancer treatment for several months, and at the long end of a bitter battle, he lost hope and took his own life. At that time, my wife and I were expecting our first child, a boy, and our bag was packed in the car, ready to go to the hospital, and we had done all the preparations of birthing classes and constructing a crib, but I was so torn. I wanted to be with my family, in that collective grief to support and bless and be with, but we were so near the due date that it was risky to travel. And the night before my uncle's memorial service would take place, my family was gathered in my grandparents' home around the kitchen table, preparing and going over the details of the next day's memorial service. And it was around 9 o'clock on a Sunday night when I sent a text to my dad saying that my son had been born, and that mom and baby were doing great. My dad told me, he read aloud the text message, 
they all began to weep and hug one another. It was the essence of bitter sweet. As one family member we grieved, and another family member we welcomed with joy in the same moment. Tears of sorrow were mixed with tears of joy. The journey of life has a lot of mixed experiences like that. The beauty of the journey is that we're invited to take it with God and with each other. It has its challenges, it has its obstacles, and it has its beauty, and it has its blessings. So this week, here are a couple of things I want to invite you to consider related to the journey. First, take some time this week to reflect on your journey. Look back on the path that brought you here. Take stock of where you are. Think about things you hope for, for your remaining future. Second, take some time this week to listen to another person's story. Just one. Make it your goal to find one person, and it may happen impromptu. You maybe even don't have to invite someone to share. You'll start hearing the story. But listen, really listen to one other person's story this week. Ask them questions. Invite them to share more. Be curious about their story. Show them the love of listening. And finally, remember, this is the most important thing that I think we can gather from this story. No matter where we are on our life's journey, we are never alone. Never alone. Jesus is walking with you in grief and in joy, in all the experiences of life, just like on the road to Emmaus. God goes with us everywhere. That is an comforting and encouraging thought because sometimes the journey is hard. Sometimes the journey is filled with grief and sometimes we're overwhelmed with joy and with everything in between, He walks with us. All of us. Amen? Amen. Continuing our service of worship, we're going to sing When Peace Like a River.
screen and screen together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we receive our offering. Meet us in our places of need. 
We thank you that you are faithful and good and that you love us, that you walk with us, that we're never alone. And so in this moment of prayer that we celebrate every Sunday, we lift up our requests to you, we lay them at your feet. We thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers, that no prayer is lost to you. And we pray that we would trust you. Help us to have faith, Lord, as we walk the journey alongside you. And thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And together we pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now for our closing hymn, Christ the Lord is risen today.
And as a reminder, you're all welcome to join us for food and fellowship in the plum room following the service.